welcome to the Being Fearless Podcast. In this podcast, we work on facing our fears so we can live our best lives. There's always going to be a voice inside you saying you can't. I'm here to tell you, yes, you can. I'm your host, Jackie Robbins. I'm a confidence coach and also tip colitis warrior, dog mom, Star Wars nerd, and a fitness enthusiast with a cupcake problem. It's okay to be scared. Do it anyway. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I have another amazing guest for you guys today. And I got to be honest, I was doing this interview, listening to her story, and I was just... I guess dumbstruck would be the word I would give. She just had such a beautiful outlook outlook on life and what had happened to her. And when I was listening, I was just like, oh my God, I wish I could have done that back in the day. So today's guest is Charlotte Foley. She is a person I met through Team Challenge. She has Crohn's disease and she lives with an ostomy and... When she was sharing this journey, I was just, I think I was so dumbstruck because I'm always amazed at how other people handle having the ostomy because as you guys know, I did not handle it very well at all. And just listening to her, I was just like, damn girl, you are a bad ass. Like she is so inspiring. You know, she has done some seriously fearless things in her life. I love listening to them. Um, she has an amazing blog called backcountryostomy.com. You guys, I went there. She has resources for you and she also takes some of the most beautiful photos in the world. She's got a great blog. Um, excuse me. Um, but yes, she is amazing. I'm going to stop gushing because I think I probably embarrassed myself a little bit with how gushy I was, but whatever. Um, but yes, definitely, um, check out her blog. Also, if you are interested in helping us fundraise, there will be a link in the bio for my latest fundraiser. We're having a house party for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation on December 5th. And you know what I always say, every dollar counts. So please enjoy this interview, share it with your friends, leave a five-star review, hashtag shameless plug, and enjoy. Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thank you so much for doing this. You guys, um, Charlotte is another amazing Crohn's warrior and she is coming on today to talk a little bit about her journey. So Charlotte, tell us about your journey with Crohn's. Yeah. Well, it's a long journey. (laughs) We'll just dive right in. Um, so I was actually originally diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, um, back when I was, I guess I was 17 at the time in 2007. Um, and I got diagnosed pretty quickly after I started having symptoms. And what kind of symptoms did you start with? Mine were mostly, um, loose bowel movements, okay. blood in my stool, abdominal. So you were pain. smart enough to go to the doctors immediately. I think I waited a few, yeah, there was like a, you know, a few weeks where I was a little nervous to tell my parents or say yeah. anything. I was actually on like a college tour with my parents over Christmas break or February break or something. And 
noticed that I had symptoms. Like I can't say anything yet because oh. we have to finish this and get back. Right. Home. We, need, we need to get through this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it took maybe a couple months to, you know, get a colonoscopy and barium studies and everything to actually get diagnosed. Uh, but I remember when I had my colonoscopy and was diagnosed, they basically were like, okay, you have ulcerative colitis, like take this medication and you'll be fine. And in my 17 year old brain, I was like, oh, great. Okay, sure. I'll be fine. Like can go continue on with life. Like no big deal. Oh, so you uh, weren't even like stressed out at all. You were just like, all right, I'm going to take a pill and all is good. Yeah. I was like, oh, it'll fix it. Great. Oh, wow. That's not what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, I just kept getting worse and ended up in the hospital. I think my parents had to drag me to the hospital because I did not want to go. Um, And I'm from New Hampshire. So I ended up at Dartmouth in Dartmouth Hitchcock in New Hampshire. Okay. And um, they tried, I think they started me on Remicade then and tried to get my work up going, but I still wasn't getting any better. And felt very isolated. Like I had my immediate family, but wasn't really near home. And my sister worked in Boston and lived in Boston. So ended up transferring down to Children's Hospital in Boston and kind of started more treatment there and got stable probably for about nine months or so. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of got worse to the point that I had to have my colon removed. Oh, so you have had your colon removed. Yep. Oh, yeah. kindred spirits there. I, it's not a fun, it's not a fun process at all. So how old were you when you got your colon removed? I was 17. Okay. Same. I was 17. It was like the beginning of my senior year and I didn't take it well. Like how, did, how did you take it? Cause I was an angry little bitch. <laughs> I was, yeah, I would say it was definitely, I was difficult. I think sometimes as a patient and daughter, like I would fight with my parents about same. treatment and like, taking medications or doing injections and going to the hospital. Um, but I had, I ended up opting for a J pouch at the time. And so I had two step J pouch surgery and was out of school for a couple months in my senior year. And I think, I don't know, it was kind of like that time was like a blur of life. I know <laughs> it was, it was like, I remember it being a lot, like there's points where I can remember really well. And then there's like hazy moments where I'm like, I'm not really sure what was, especially like the day of surgery. Um, but just to back up for a hot second, you guys, just so you know what a J pouch is in case this is, um, one of your first time listening to this podcast and you haven't heard my story, a J pouch is basically a man-made pouch that is out of your small intestine. So like we don't have large intestines and the J pouch sort of acts as the the large intestine, the colon. So if you're like, oh my God, I don't even know what a J pouch is, <laughs> we're here to ed- educate you. Um, did you do the, did you have an ostomy for a little while while your insides healed? Yep. I had one for about three months before uh, I got reversed to the J pouch. Yeah. What every senior dreams about. Like, <laughs> yeah. like talk about a vulnerable time in your life. Um, I know for me, um, there's a lot of reasons that I struggled with like body image issues and stuff like being on prednisone, you know, right at like eight years old and, you know, getting fat from that. But did you struggle with anything like that? Like after your surgery with like the scars and stuff, or was that not something that you were battling? Well, my first or my J pouch surgeries were other than I have the lower 
scar, like the C-section type scar. Um, But otherwise it was laparoscopic. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time, yeah, that wasn't as much of a concern. I do remember, because I actually, I ended up, I have an ostomy now, but when I had my J pouch surgery, one of the surgeon's selling points was he's like, you're young, you'll want to be able to wear a bathing suit. Like as that was like the driving factor for him. And I was like, that's not really something I even considered. I was like, I'd I just like to be healthy. healthy. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it wasn't really much of an issue, but I think I also didn't really share anything with anyone outside of my family. Like yeah. I didn't want people to really know that so I was So you different. didn't tell like any of your friends that you had the ostomy? They knew I had surgery. Like everybody in high school knew because I was from a small town, and so same. I oh God, the rumors! Did you get the rumors? There were some amazing. <laughs> oh my God, there were some amazing rumors that went around about me. One of them was that I had twins. That's always my favorite because I had dropped like twenty pounds before I went in, and I'm like, where did these twins come from, guys? <laughs> like you guys are idiots. Um, no, you gotta I think- love it. Yeah, we'd had a few, or like one girl and a couple grades ahead of me had been out for a while with Crohn's, and so at least people kind of knew what it was, but I remember I got back to school because I was on the track team, and I couldn't actually run, but I was at one of the meets after one of my surgeries, and was talking to someone. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I have Crohn's disease. So I had surgery. And he's like, are you contagious? Like, oh, oh my God. I've never heard that one. I've never heard anyone be asked that. Yes, you can catch it. Yeah, I was like, I'm sitting right next to you. So that you Rub my butt. <laughs> oh my God. That's so horrible. You know, I think, um, so it's funny. You said you got it removed in 2007. Is that right? Yeah. So for me, it was, um, 1998 and the, the laparoscopic or even like the small, like cesarean, like that wasn't even an, a thing for me. So I got cut like directly open. And one of the things that really sticks out for me is I couldn't breathe. Like you had just, it was like, you just gutted me. And I remember coming out of surgery and obviously, you know, you're on some, some good drugs, but it hurts to breathe. It hurts to laugh. Like everything just hurt. I mean, I remember them being like, okay, um, do you want to get up and walk? And I was just like, no, never. I never want to leave this bed. It just, everything hurt like so much. Yeah. Um, yeah did, I was that, that the same too. for you or? I remember, I mean, I don't remember it being hard to breathe. I remember it being very painful after my first surgery and not wanting yeah. to walk, but my surgeries that I've had since then have been open surgeries. And I do, I've had that experience with just like not being able to get deep full breaths and like not, yeah. not get up and yeah. It's the worst feeling. Now, did they do the surgery? Did they do the colectomy because they still thought you had ulcerative colitis and this was gonna, and I'm using air quotes here, cure it because as you well know, there really isn't a cure even if you take away the colon. There's other things that happen after. Yes. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was another one of the, well, this will, yeah, exactly. Air quotes, cure it. Yeah. This will cure you. It's like the biggest lie they can tell you because like, like you were told, um, take medication and all will be fine. You know, I feel similarly duped where I was like, I thought you were going to take out my colon and I wasn't going to have issues and still have issues. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Not fair. Like, (laughs) so what happened next? Um, so I had 
the J pouch. And then I think for, you know, for the next couple of years, it was okay. I didn't, I had chronic pouchitis in my J pouch. Oh. So inflammation Okay. And, um, started to get uh, perianal disease, so fistulas, abscesses. Oh. And kind of just, that's the biggest blur of my life is like surviving my way through college. <laughs> oh man, you were going to college at the time? Yeah. Oh God, that yeah. must have been so hard because I know I've had fistulas before and I mean, it hurts to sit down if you're going to the bathroom a lot. Like I, I haven't had pouchitis in many years, um, knock on wood, whatever's around. Um, but I remember that being like painful, you're bloated, like you're, you're kind of going to the bathroom a lot. Like it, these are the things that they don't tell you will happen next. It's like, oh, we're going to take away the colon. The disease is gone. But there's still like other things after that. That must have been so hard. Like, did were you at least able to have fun during college? Please tell me you got the college experience because I didn't have I, one. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I, I had a pretty good college experience. Okay, good. Probably half and half, like okay. managing and then living life. Yeah. When you were in college, did you tell anybody like what had happened? Did you share your journey with anybody or did you still keep that to yourself? I shared a little bit, mostly like with roommates or people that I was closer to. But I would say basically from college up until, I don't know, like a few years after, I didn't really share very much because I just still wanted to kind of keep it private. And yeah. I did end up having to, I did like a year and a half of college and ended up having to drop out because I was so sick and then move home. And then I restarted the next year at a different school closer to home. So um, yeah, it was definitely a mixed experience. Yeah. Well, I always say like, here's the thing with college. I... I didn't have a like specific college experience where I went away or anything like that. To be honest, I never actually wanted to go away to college. The thought of sharing a bathroom in a space with women that and men that I like didn't really know was just not appealing to me at all. And I always joke that I was on like the seven or eight year plan, but I think college is one of those things like they shove it down our throats when we're younger. So it's like, Oh, you're supposed to graduate high school, you're supposed to go to college, then get married and have babies. And there's like this weird societal pressure to do that. And I know for me, after senior year, when I was supposed to be applying, I was having surgery and I was like, I am not going to college next year. First of all, I have no idea what I want to do with my life as most seniors feel, but I just wanted to like take a year off. And I went back and forth a couple of times, finally got my degree, which I'm super proud of because it it took dedication for me to be like, okay, I'm going to go back. And I did it at two different colleges. Um, so I totally feel your pain where you're just like, oh my God, I had to drop out. I was sick. I went home. Um, but did you end up getting your degree? I did. Finished? Yeah. And yeah. what did you get? Um, I have a master's in occupational therapy. Oh my God. That's amazing. What a great job. That must be so rewarding. It is. Yes. Oh, awesome. I actually considered years ago to try to be like an assistant to the occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ultimately decided not to because I didn't want to go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I, I'm in my late thirties. I don't want to do this again. Yeah. It's a lot of work. <laughs> exactly. All right. So what happens? So now you've, you've gotten through college. Have they diagnosed you with Crohn's yet? They did. So Okay. When did yeah. that happen? That is when, yeah. 
I moved back. So I went to school. I started in New York because um, I wanted to go from small town to biggest city. That's possible. awesome. That's and awesome. I ended up moving back to Boston and finished up school there. But about, I guess the year that I moved there, they re-diagnosed me with Crohn's and I had switched from the children's hospital because I wanted to have adult providers. Yeah. Um, and they were also pushing for me to get an ostomy. And I was like adamant that I did not want an ostomy. I was like, no, like you told Same. me I could have this day pouch. Like I do not want one. Why uh, were they pushing the ostomy? Just because the J pouch was failing. I pretty oh, much. Because of the, okay. Yeah. Because of the fistulas and abscesses, I was pretty much pooping my pants like every day for five years. So oh. <laughs> yeah, but I God. still like, no way I'm not doing that. Um, but I think, you know, it's in a way I look back at it and like, well, that was kind of not the best decision to go for five years with that quality of life. But the fact that I did go through that and like was able to come to terms with it and make the decision once I did get my ostomy, I'm like super happy with that decision and yeah, I have a lot better quality of life. But I think also being mentally prepared for it. was Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that, um, so I always felt really alone in my journey because up until like a couple of years ago, like I had done the take steps walk and stuff like that. I had been involved in the foundation. Of course, when I went to these events, I never spoke to anybody. I just brought my entourage with me and like, didn't mingle or be like, Hey, who has like, does anybody want to talk about poop with me? Um, because <laughs> some people don't. Um, and I know like for a long time, like I felt alone. And one of the things that I really love about this day and age is you can open up Instagram and like just hashtag no colon still rolling. And there are tons of people just like proudly showing their ostomy. And I just look at that and I'm like, oh my God, where were you 20 years ago? Like I needed you. I needed social media. Like I needed you in my life to be like, it's going to be okay. This isn't the end of the world. Like it's okay. But it is a mental thing because now you, you know, you, you have your small intestine is sutured to the outside of your body and you know, you're pooping in a bag and that is just hard to come to grips with. And it takes time to decide, okay, I don't have a good quality of life. You know, how did you, you said you were, you know, was there a moment, I'm trying to come up with the right words here. I'm sorry. (laughs) Was there a moment where you were like, I'm done. We just need to do the permanent ostomy. Yeah, I was, I was in my last year of grad school and I had like arthritis from, or, you know, symptoms of arthritis from my Crohn's and was like hobbling around my apartment and my roommates were like, you are like an old lady. Like this is not how you should be when you're, no. Yeah. Just constant fistulas. And so I actually started, there was another girl at, um, I was at Boston university and there was another girl on campus who I forget who connected me with her, but she had an ostomy. And so somebody connected with me with her and, uh, I was able to talk to her more about her life and she, you know, loved her ostomy and had a great experience and similar even 10 years ago, nobody was on social media really. No, like nobody it. was talking yeah. about it. I feel like it's the last, I would say two years that mm-hmm. I've seen it. Cause I'm a big social media person. I love Instagram. Um, but I think I love Instagram specifically because you can look up like hashtags, like ulcerative colitis and stuff like that. And you, you are able to connect with people. And I think that's really an awesome thing because it does help 
feel it less lonely. And also I'm pretty sure I was put on this planet to break the stigma of talking about poop and all the hard <laughs> things because I grew up with, you know, similar to you where I didn't really want to talk about it with anybody. And I had a lot of shame around, you know, the way that I pooped and, you know, what happened to me that I never opened up about it. And it was making me miserable. Like it was because you're not your true self if you're not, you know, sharing this part openly and you're holding something back. And once you like let go of that shame and anger, I feel like, you know, it's like a big weight is lifted off of you. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that was that was part of it too as I, you know, I shared it with my inner circle of friends yeah. and family and classmates, but I was just done being sick and tired and I couldn't even sit on my butt at the time hardly, you know, as in trying to sit in class or like ride my bike and um was just yeah, going downhill. So I basically told my surgeon I was like you need to give me an ostomy now. <laughs> and so So how yeah. old were you when you got the permanent ostomy? I was 23. Okay. Yeah. And how has it been? Um, so I've had, I've had an ostomy twice. It's been reversed twice. However, I still lack the ability to go to the bathroom on my own. I have to use a catheter, which is like a weird anomaly. It's a pelvic floor issue that I'm not willing to throw in the towel and go the ostomy route. But it's interesting because hearing you speak, I'm like, wow, she did it at 23 and I'm having weird hangups at like 39 <laughs> thinking about doing this. But like when you did that, you know, what were the, the differences you felt like, you know, now you've got like a bag to clean and stuff like that. And, you know, how did that affect your life? Cause I mean, 23 is young. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think because of my quality of life and having like you like were just happy. It was my a blessing. Pants every day. It was mm-hmm. like pooping in a bag is way easier than not having the control. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. I think it was, it wasn't too hard of a transition. I have had four other surgeries since then for, to revise my stoma and my ostomy. Oh. So I still had some challenges with it, but, um, what kind I, of challenges have you had? I've had a lot of, uh, issues with blockages and bowel obstructions. Okay. And so I had two revisions within a year of getting my Is that normal or is that luck of the draw? Yeah, I know a lot of people who do get occasional obstructions. Yeah. But um the two that I initially had, like one of them I guess one of them was about nine months after my first surgery and I had just been having blockages kind of leading up to that since my surgery. And so that's how they revised it. And then the other one, I was actually on a hike and my bowel became necrotic and died. Like the end of it died, like at the stoma. Oh my God. That feels scary. Yeah. Like (laughs) that feel like how, so I know that you can't, I'm so naive when it comes to what you just said, but I know like the stoma, I was always hung up about hurting it, but I know like you can't hurt it because there's no nerve endings in it. Like, did you feel it? How did that work? Yeah. So I had actually, I just moved to Alaska at the time. Oh, wow. And then moved up to Alaska and was on, I had started doing group hikes with meetup groups to just meet people. That's awesome. Yeah. That part's awesome. That part is awesome. (laughs) And then we were on the way, we were driving down to go to the hike and 
I felt like I had abdominal pain. I was like, oh, this is really bothering me. I was like, oh, maybe it's just an upset stomach. Like I'm meeting new people. I'm nervous or whatever. And then, yeah. But then it got really sharp and we got out of the car at the trailhead about to start the hike. And I went to empty my ostomy because I like to do that before I start hiking anyway. And like blood came pouring out of my bag and I was like, oh, that's not a good thing. I'm not going hiking today. (laughs) Well, then I did go hiking because I was, because in my head I was like, I haven't had... I hadn't had a Crohn's flare. I had just had these mechanical yeah. blockages. I hadn't had any inflammation. So I was like, well, maybe I'm having a Crohn's flare and I'm having bleeding. And so I started the hike. Oh, so you didn't even go to the hospital right away. No. Because no. I this was the same period of time where I'm like, don't want to tell anyone. I don't want anyone to think I'm okay. different or yeah. anything. And I hadn't, we had carpooled, so I didn't even have my own car. I had never been to this area before. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll start feeling better as the day goes on or something, and I can go get checked out when I get back to town. Um, so I started the hike, but I just kept having pain, and it was really sharp, and I was like, this, there's something going on. And so, I yeah, I really didn't even know anybody that I was hiking with, but I remember, like, pulling one guy aside, and I just quickly was like, I have Crohn's. I think I'm having an issue, so I need to go, like, have my yeah. roommate come pick me up and Aww. kind of quickly gave him a brief summary but then I realized like there's no way my roommate could she had to drive like two hours down to where I was to get me so some one of the other hikers let me borrow his truck to go to a local emergency room it's really nice actually that's that's a solid group because you just met these people right yeah that's a a solid group for someone to be like you know what I trust you here's my car (laughs) right so yeah, then I like drove myself to this emergency room in this small town and took took off my bag. I hadn't actually looked at my stoma yet, but like took off the bag. It was just like this giant black stoma, and I was like, "Ooh, oh, I know." Oh, so you couldn't see? It wasn't a clear bag. No, I had a yeah opaque okay colored bag, so I couldn't see into it until we took it off. And that yeah. I got to be honest with you. Everything you just said would have freaked me out. Like, I wouldn't have even tried to go up a mountain. I would have, like, panicked and gone to the hospital. That's my MO, though. I tend to panic about stuff like that now because I think the worst-case scenario, like, I don't know what I would have done if I took off the bag, saw that. I probably would have been like, oh, my God. So they had to take you in for surgery then? Yeah, so I ended up calling. I didn't have any surgeons or GI doctors up here yet because I had just moved. That's um, right, because you're in Alaska. Yeah, yeah. So I called my surgeon in Boston, and he talked to the doctors, and they ended up having to do a medivac because up to Anchorage to the city to get surgery. And so they did a, my yeah my stoma revision up here. Wow. Yeah, that was an interesting start to living in Alaska. Oh my god! How long did you live in Alaska? I'm still here. So I've oh, been... you're still there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I. Should... You know what? You did say that to me the other day. Although I don't know if you told me you were in Alaska, but we were discussing my lack of understanding time oh. differences, and you were like, "Well, tell me where you are," and I think. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so you've been in Alaska for a few years now, so you must love it. Yes. Yeah. Is I'm... it? Is it weird weather? Like, do you guys really get, like, like, is it freezing cold more often? Like, what are you getting over there? 
Uh, well, it's already fall here. Okay. Uh, very much fall. And then around November, it starts to get pretty dark and cold. But Anchorage itself is fairly mild okay. uh, in terms of Alaska weather. But the last couple of years, it has been colder. So it'll be, you know, like last year, it was like negative 15 for a few weeks. But And you we- willingly <laughs> moved there? Yes. I'm cold just thinking about that. My God. But I mean, I've seen pictures. I've obviously never been, but it is beautiful there. Like, do you love it? Yeah, I love good. the mountains and hiking and skiing. And so that's why I live here to have good access to that all. Yeah. And you, did you know anybody when you moved out there? No, I had never been here. I didn't know anyone. You I just packed up your whole life and went out there. Yep. <laughs> oh, girl, if that's not a fearless move, I don't know what it is. That is like, that's pretty badass right there to just get up and move somewhere. So kudos to you because a lot of people, you know, they want to do things like that and they, they don't for one reason or another. And I think in your case, you probably had a lot of reasons not to go and you chose the one to go. So that's amazing. Yeah. Good yeah, for you. Part of it was just... I I don't know, I wanted to do something different and I was finally feeling better and healthy and it's like now's the time to go and do it. And you're young, so let's do this. Yeah. yeah, like you're young enough where it's like, okay, we're just gonna take chances. That's amazing. Um did Alaska um did they get hit like we did with like corona and stuff? Like did you guys had to do the quarantine and stuff like that, but was were the numbers lower up there? Yeah, overall, our numbers have been pretty low. Um, we did have a couple spikes, but uh, they're, yeah, they're pretty good at our measures for um, restricting travel and yeah. and out. And you do, you have to have quarantine for 14 days. Or yeah, I mean, they're pretty strict, yeah. but I know, like, if you were still in, like, Boston, New Hampshire, like, that was, Boston was a hot spot for a little while, yeah. so... I mean, I wasn't going there. I'm south. I'm more towards the Cape where I am in New Bedford. So I'm not like way up there and I'm not really a city person. So I guess that's good. Um, So I'm going to ask you a question and you do not have to answer this if you're like, oh my God, no, that's way too personal. But can you tell me a little bit what it's like to try to like date and put yourself out there with the ostomy? I've only ever discussed this with one other person who... Actually, when I asked her about it, I was like, you know, how do you tell someone, you know, hey, you know, I have an ostomy because for me, I have not gone about telling people in an eloquent manner about some of my issues. Like, usually I have to have like three glasses of wine and it comes out like word vomit. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, how how do you approach stuff like that? Yeah, uh, I'd be happy to talk about that. I would say, well... Basically, from the time I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and then Crohn's and just having super low confidence in myself um, and, yeah, I was definitely off the dating train. I was like, yeah. I, I had no confidence to go near yeah, anybody. I'm not telling anybody yeah. this. Like, never yeah. mind somebody I'm going to be intimate with. <laughs> yeah. um, but then, you know, when I moved up here to Alaska and started like living my life again and getting out and really just kind of getting to know myself better and feeling more confident in myself. I just, I still was, yeah, I still not like the best at explaining things all the time either. Cause I'm not like going to come outright and just 
you know, if it doesn't come up casually in conversation, it's not something I'm going to just blurt out, but it doesn't uh, come up casually at all. Like, like poop, (laughs) ostomies, colons, like none of that just comes up in casual conversation. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think I do have a boyfriend now and, uh, I think that I'm gluten-free. So for my Crohn's, I follow gluten-free diet. So that was kind of a good lead in because I was going to go on a date and I was like eating certain things or asking for gluten-free foods. Yeah. And I would be like, Oh, I'm, I'm have this cause I have Crohn's. And so I had, I had gotten that far in explaining it on yeah. dates. Um, and then, uh, he and I went on a bike trip and went camping and I think he brought it up somehow. And I was like, how do you know about ostomies? And he's like, Oh, well I was looking up Crohn's after you told me you had Crohn's and I saw that that's a possibility. What a nice guy. Yeah. So he actually had researched it or researched Crohn's and had read about ostomies and knew about it before I even said anything. And I was like, yes, actually I do have one. <laughs> That's definitely how you know someone's a keeper because I don't know anybody that I've been like, oh, I have ulcerative colitis and they like go do research on this. (laughs) Like I don't have a colon like that. That's a real, that's amazing. I know, um, the girl that I recently asked, um, cause she was, she, um, she's been in a relationship for a little while and I just, we were casually talking and I was like, how did you just bring up the ostomy like because you it's hard to just like put in a conversation I mean I have similar but different issues and she turns around and she goes on my dating profile I had pictures showing the ostomy so it was out there and I think that's how a lot of people meet today and I was like oh that's actually pretty solid advice because Mm -hmm. I think like a lot of questions that people have asked me in the past is you know, what did you do about that? And I mean, when I was a senior, I didn't have a boyfriend. And in my 20s, I did. And ironically, he was fine with it. I did not accept it. Like I had a really hard time, both times I had it not accepting of it. So that's why I'm like, so in awe that you were like, okay, this is what we're going to need to do. This is what I need to do to live. Whereas I sort of just felt like forced into it. And that that's a harder thing, I think, when you just feel forced and it's not your decision. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, but I think it is, yeah, it's helpful to have somebody who takes an interest. And yeah. Looking at it. And it saved me the trouble of figuring out how to explain Right? It. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah, I think if, if it were... You know, if it were now, I actually have a blog, like an ostomy-related blog. and so. Oh, hold on. What's your blog? We're going to put it in the show notes. It is backcountryostomy.com. Perfect. You guys, we are going to put that in the show notes so you can go check it out. And then I have an Instagram that's backcountry underscore ostomy. Oh, perfect. Yes. You are going to have so many fans after this because you are awesome. Um, and speaking of being awesome, so you're a pretty athletic person. Like you said, you ran track in high school Mm -hmm. and, um, we connected through the, um, new England team challenge. So how did you get involved with the foundation? So I had moved when I had moved back to Boston, I was just looking for outlets. I think people to connect, connect with and, um, I don't exactly remember how I got involved with them. Maybe 
somehow it popped up in an email or something. And yeah. I think I was going to some support group meetings too, because I wanted to learn more about ostomies before I actually had surgery. So I was going to some of the local ostomy support groups. So I might've found out about it through them. Okay. Um, and yeah, I had run track in high school and I had played soccer all growing up and just with being sick had, you know, gotten out of being active and was just yeah. trying to look for ways to motivate myself. And so I think I saw the program and I felt like it was a good opportunity because it's like, okay, if I have to stop and go to the bathroom on one of these group runs, cause they had the weekly or I think every, these Sunday are the people you want to be with. <laughs> yes, I'll feel comfortable like stopping yes. or telling them that I have to use the bathroom and be yes. able to run longer distances without worrying about it. So yeah, I ended up connecting with them. Oh, that's awesome. How many team challenges have you done? I've only done one. <laughs> I just did one as well. So I did one in 2010. Yeah. Okay. Oh, perfect. Where did you do it in Boston? Nope. So we did, that was the Virginia wine country. Oh my God. I really wanted to do that this year and it got canceled. So, I mean, it didn't matter, but that one looked so fun. I was like, you want me to run and drink wine? Yeah. Okay. I did, um, Boston's run to remember. Um, And then afterwards, I well, I joined Team Challenge. I was not a runner. I started running randomly like two years ago. I remember being in high school thinking, like, why do people like this? It's the worst thing on the face of the planet. And now I'm like, running is great. Like, it clears your head. Like, you feel so amazing. You're outside. I will never run on the treadmill. I don't know about you. I hate the treadmill. I need to be, I need to be outside. I need to be with the fresh air. You know, you get that. Um, but I, what I loved about team challenge is I finally felt like, I was finding my people like these were people that understood my issues. You know, there are, I always try to read a room when I'm talking about, you know, things that other people might find shameful and, you know, I'd be in the room and they'd be like, Oh my God, I pooped my pants too. And like, we're talking about this over coffee and donuts. And I think that's awesome because I can tell on somebody's face, I don't know if this has happened to you, if I'm embarrassing them. Like if what I'm saying about like poop in my colon and all of these things, or if I'm making butt jokes, because I love to talk about how all the doctors want to do is stick things up my butt. Like, you know, because I'm a big humor fan, but I just see these people's faces and they're like, really? Are you (laughs) kidding me right now? Is she really talking about poop in her pants at breakfast? And, you know, I think if we can break the stigma of talking about that, then it'll be easier. And people like you and me won't feel like we need to hide it because other people are going to feel weird about it. So we're here to, to raise the awareness, which is exactly what you're doing, but you have, wow, your journey is just absolutely amazing. I'm actually glad I didn't know anything about it before we did this because I'm just like in awe right now of all the amazing things you've gone through And you're still smiling. Like, you guys, you can't see her, but, like, she's talking, and she is smiling, and it didn't rock you. But looking back on the journey, is there, like, one big struggle that you had, or was it just one collective one? Is there, like, one thing you struggled with other than the the next? I know you mentioned um, confidence was one of the issues. Yeah, I think... Self-confidence was a big issue. I Even before my colitis, I was always a quiet person, like didn't really talk very much. I grew up with 
a very close knit family. So I had my sister, I have my sister who's like my best friend and like, she's my go-to person. So I didn't really have to like go outside of my family really much to get what I needed. Um, and so I think I was already quiet, already just kind of doing my own thing in life and then had colitis and then the Crohn's diagnosis and just had no self-confidence. Didn't, yeah, didn't want to be different or share anything with anybody. I just want to be normal used to come out of my mouth so many times. Yep. I remember crying to my parents saying that too. Like, why can't I just be normal? Mm -hmm. Why does that happen? But, um, yeah, I think that took me a long time to get over. I mean, I was diagnosed in 2007 and I would say even when I first moved up here in 2014, 2015, I still wasn't super confident. I was like, okay, now I'm in this new place. So I'm going to continue to be quiet about it because I want these new people to think that I'm just normal. Yeah. And then I started to get to know people and I work in a hospital now. So I'm working with people who are kind of at their worst and struggling. Yeah. I realized like my story is important and yes. it's going to help people. Um and to be to help others feel more confident. And I feel like once I started actually talking about it and sharing my story, that that really made a difference for myself too. Just kind of being like, okay, this is my normal. This is my yeah. life. This is what I'm yeah. doing. Um, yeah. I, there, we have a storytelling event in Anchorage. It's called Arctic Entries. It's kind of like the moth um, that I think it's like public radio does. And so there's seven storytellers and they go up on stage and tell a seven minute story. And so when I first moved up here, I'd go to these storytelling events and like hear people talking about their stories. And, you know, it might have not had anything to do with an illness or disease. And I was sitting there one time and I'm like, I have a story just like Yeah, you do. Yeah. Am I not sharing it? So I ended up applying for that program and sharing my story um, in front of like an auditorium of 700 people. And then, oh my God, that's beautiful. Look yeah. at how far you came as someone yeah. who didn't want to talk. That's a beautiful confidence story because it, I was going to originally ask you, you know, what you did to sort of like get over that hump. And you, I think you just sort of embraced your story and you are absolutely right when you say people need to hear it because they do. And I know there are people listening right now that are like, she's hitting home for me right now. And I feel stronger. Like even when I do these interviews with anybody, I always feel like really inspired afterwards because that's what the stories are there for. It's there to inspire people and to, you know, remember like, if I can do this, you can do this. Like if I can overcome this, you can. And yeah. Yeah. Now you're talking in front of 700 people doing podcasts. I mean, girl. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's not really that I'm, I guess I'm not really different. Like that's the whole point is I always thought like, Oh, I'm so different than everybody, but it's like, everybody has a story. Like everybody has something going on. So if I share it, then they'll share their issues with me and yes, relate better. So I think that increased my confidence and just made my life so much better in terms of being able to get out and actually live life rather than worrying about being different or why did this happen to me? Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. I mean, honestly, everybody out there, everyone's got their shit, you know, Mm -hmm. it may not be actually shit related, you know, (laughs) with us, 
But, like, everybody has, like, different things. And if people could just, like, talk about these issues, like, even with, like, depression, anxiety, you know, self-confidence, like, the more we talk about it, the more we share our story, the less people feel like you're the only one. And I think you really, truly did a absolutely beautiful job, you know, going through all of that. So kudos to you. Like I, oh, I'm so inspired right now. I have like goosebumps right now. Like I took off my sweater at the beginning of this and now I'm like, oh, her story is so beautiful. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on here. Your journey is amazing. I know you're going to help so many people. I'm going to plug you in the show notes. So hopefully people will go check out your blog. I know I will. Um, I always like to end the podcast with a specific question. I ask all my guests this. It does. It can be anything in the world. It doesn't have to be Crohn's or colitis. Um, centric, I guess. I don't know. My, my words are failing me now. <laughs> I've been up for a long time. <laughs> um, but what would you consider the most fearless thing you've ever done? Hmm. <laughs> I know I have a few different, I know I'm like, she told us she got up and moved to Alaska. Yeah, I'm like, that might be like, as soon as I did that. Okay. So in, don't, you can't pick that one because I already <laughs> declared that like the most fearless thing in the world. What's and you must have another one because you're awesome. <laughs> um, let's see. Probably not as big or exciting as that one, but I really enjoy skiing and camping and backpacking. So I think probably more recently, my boyfriend and I have been going on some glacier ski trips. So kind of getting oh, wow. dropped off. And I think doing that and figuring out how to manage my ostomy and everything okay. has been really confidence boosting as well. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Fearless for me to be able to get out there and do that, even though I'm like, what could go wrong if I'm on a glacier with an ostomy? And, right? Yeah, oh, my God. I didn't there. even know that was a thing. They just drop you on a glacier and you ski down it? Uh, well, we've, yeah, we've done a few trips like that where we get dropped, well, we've gotten dropped at one point and then ski out or we've skied up and then onto the glacier and then out ourselves. And then we've also done a trip where we've gotten dropped at like a base camp area. Wow. So we were, yeah. And on one of them, we were stuck in a snowstorm for like eight days. So that was... Oh. Also pretty. Talk about trying to figure out your ostomy. Like yeah. you're expecting like one day of this, like, okay, I can do this for one day, but no, we'll make it eight. Yeah, oh my God. Funny stories, ostomy related stories that came out of that trip. Oh so. my God. I mean, that is like badass. I always say, you know, even when I, you know, had the bag for a little while, or even when I need to like use the catheter in public and I'm not finding anything, I'm like, you are going to find a way to do this. You yeah. are going to figure out how to empty the bag. You're going to figure out how to use the catheter. You're going to figure it out. And that's always what I tell myself when I don't want to do something because I'm scared of like the outcome. I always think like, okay, you, everything is figure outable. You can figure yeah. this out. And that's like the one thing that I have to cling to, or I'm never leaving the house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, oh my God, keep doing that because you are killing it and you are the epitome of living life to the fullest. So I love it. I absolutely love it. And I want to hear more about all of your adventures because that just sounds totally badass. I've only skied a handful of times. I am not good. Like I'm not somebody you could just drop on a glacier, but I know like stuff like that, like that's grueling and you know, to do it with an ostomy is just that much cooler. 
So you are awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I so appreciate this. I appreciate Um, you reaching out to me. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, for you guys listening, um, check out the show notes, go follow Charlotte, give her some love. If you're feeling so inclined, you know, I love those five star reviews and as always be scared, do it anyway.